Good morning. One of the best developments in our church life in these past seven months, I hope you'll agree, has been the opportunity we create in our Zoom church service for any of us to give a word of testimony about where we're seeing God moving in our lives or somebody else's life. Over the months, we've shared some deeply moving encounters. And seldom does a week go by where nobody has nothing to share. On last Sunday's Zoom service, Brian was sharing how he and Hazel had visited someone who's unable to gather with us physically. The person would have had lots in common with some of the characters in both of our Bible readings. When Brian and Hazel were leaving, the person gave him an envelope to pass on. When Brian looked at the envelope, he noticed that there was a letter T on it. So inquiring, he asked, what does the letter T represent? The person replied, it stands for tithe. I don't know if you know what a tithe means. It comes from the Hebrew word to mean a tenth. A tithe encapsulates the biblical idea of giving the first tenth of our income back to God. Why? Because God is the owner of all we have. As St. Paul would say in his first letter to his protege, Timothy, we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. We may pretend otherwise, but everything we have is God's. Some of us grew up saying these words every week. They're so familiar to us. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and on the earth is yours. And then Paul, and then they were gone to say, for everything we have has come from you, God. And we give you only what you first gave us. It's quite simple, as I said last week. God gives us 10 Diet Coke cans and we give the first one back to him. As part of a biblical framework of how we excel in giving. We're in the middle of a three-part series on the theme of a harvest of generosity. On each occasion, I said that I'd leave us with a question to respond before God to of how much will we sow to reap a harvest of generosity? Because your giving matters now more than ever. Historically, in our church, it's normally been at this time of year, in this season of harvest, when we'd have both a gift day and also would ask each of us to review our giving to our church. So at the outset, can I say thank you to all of you who faithfully given to our church over the years. And especially over these past seven months. And thank you as well if you've already responded to our gifting month of October appeal. Because your giving matters now more than ever. Last week, we started to look at this theme of a harvest of generosity. And we said how it only begins by a conversion, by the grace of God. And this week, I want to build on last week's theme. If excelling in, only, in giving only begins by a conversion of grace, it then grows through practicing faith over fear in our faithful God. So now we enter the world of the Old Testament prophet Elijah. Remember with me during the summer when we looked at the series of the Old Testament prophets, we said the role of a prophet was to stand in the gap 
and provide a map to God by their messages, by their actions and by their prayers. Here's the scene in today's story. Elijah is living in a time when it's not good to be a prophet. King Ahab is following a long line of evil monarchs and he's the worst of them all. Then there is his queen Jezebel who makes Ahab in comparison look weak and spineless. And Jezebel has made it her mission to eradicate, to butcher all the prophets from the land. I'm sure you get the picture. As a result, Elijah has already been practising faith over fear by pronouncing God's judgment on Israel, which means it will face a nationwide drought. Yet during this drought, God has been faithful to Elijah by providing him not only a safe space in a mountainous region in his own backyard, but also by providing water from a nearby stream and food twice daily, miraculously transported by ravens. Every day, the story has been the same. As if by clockwork, every morning and every evening, the ravens bring Elijah bread and meat to eat. And he drinks from the stream. Until one day, the stream dried up. It's after all, a drought. Elijah may be thinking, where's God's gone? I thought he said he would be faithful. God, though, hasn't gone absent. It's just there's a new mission ahead. As a result, Elijah, God now says to Elijah to go to the town of Zarephath, where he's told a widow will now feed him instead. Here's what we need to know about this town called Zarephath. The clue is in the name. It means refinery or smelting place or crucible. I'm sure you start to see a picture and heat appearing. And it lives up to its name in more ways than one. If first God sent Elijah to his own backyard, now God sends Elijah into somebody else's home turf, Queen Jezebel. It's easier to practice faith over fear in a faithful God when going into a comfortable situation where things are familiar. Now Elijah's been asked to travel 75 to 80 miles into the unknown and probable hostility. How would you feel? What would you do? Around five days later, we read Elijah arrives at the town gate of Zarephath and he finds his widow. This is easy, or so he thought. Little did he know that this widow's a dead woman walking with suicidal tendencies who's about to cook what she believes is her last supper. Elijah's been travelling a long way. Not surprisingly, he's thirsty and he asks the widow for some water. On her way, though, the widow's interrupted once more by Elijah's next request. This journey has also left him hungry. And so he asks for a, for a small piece of bread to be made with what she's holding in her hand. If Elijah didn't know already, because being a widow in those times meant poverty and abject need, now he finds out how desperate is this widow's situation. For how long, we don't know, but it feels like an eternity. She's watched as her only food supply, her jar of meal of flour and her jug of oil has gone in only one direction. Maybe she's stretched out these resources as, as far as she can. Maybe she's gone without on some occasions to feed only her son. But today's D-Day, and she knows it, 
After this meal, there'll be no more left, and now she's been asked to share it with a strange man. Now it's not just Elijah, but also this unnamed widow who's about to understand what it means to practice faith over fear. In a faithful God whom she hasn't met before, yet alone worship. She hears those two voices we often hear in such circumstances. One is the voice of the call to faith. The other is the voice of a call to fear. Faith and fear are intrinsically connected. It is fear and not doubt which is the antithesis of faith. Or in other contexts it could be apathy or disappointment. From experience, the voice which wins in the widow's life or our own lives is the voice we feed. Notice the order of what follows next. It's as if Elijah anticipates the widow's fear. And so he says to her, do not be afraid. Then Elijah says, make some bread as you plan. But first, but first, make me a little cake and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. We can imagine what the widow's thinking now. If she's on her last portions and she makes a cake for Elijah first, how much is left for her and her son? And the answer is, not much. Unless God's doing the maths. Here is the test of faith. God says, will you trust me now with what you have? For when we exercise faith, what we're saying to God is, you're right, God, about everything. God says, give me everything you have, for I will give you everything you need. It's the paradox of God's demand and gift. Elijah says to the widow, if you feed me first out of your last supply, God says your jar of meal will not be emptied and your jug of oil will not fail until the rain finally falls on the land. The widow faces her test of faith, of practising faith over fear, when she has no knowledge of God's faithfulness. Which voice will the widow feed? The voice of her own fears or the voice of the Lord through Elijah? Which voice would you feed? We read she practices faith over fear and feeds Elijah first. And every day what follows is the quiet daily drama in her life of her jar and the jug. Every day she opens the cupboard and looks. She looks in the jar and there's enough meal. She looks in the jug and there's still some oil. And so it went on and on and on. A daily fresh episode of the faithfulness of God because the widow practised faith over fear. Her pancakes never tasted so good. Until finally, the rains came. But that's another story. The widow's life was transformed because she trusted God with what she had. Like Elijah, her faith staked everything upon God's sheer word, waging all upon the veracity of God. She practised faith over fear and a faithful God and she sowed a harvest of generosity. Like the widow in our gospel reading, she gave out of her poverty and her giving mattered then more than ever. I wonder how much is in our jar of meal and our jug of oil. 
Maybe it looks less than seven months ago. Maybe it's getting a bit close to the bottom for our comfort. Are we practicing faith over fear? In our faithful God, in sowing a harvest of generosity. By faith, are we like Elijah and the widow, staking everything upon God's sheer word, waging all upon the veracity of God? Here are four questions for us, each of us to consider, to set us on a right path. Here's question one. Are we being faithful with our tithe to our faithful God? Dare we say to God every month, here's my first tenth to you. I give it back to you, God, because you are faithful. Or here's my first five percent. I give it back to you because you, God, you are the one who is faithful. Are we being faithful with our tithe to our faithful God? Here's question two. Are we learning to take risks in our giving which stretches our faith? This doesn't mean we put God to the test and be foolish. Also, we learn in our story, don't we? God provides for our needs, not our wants. The widow and her son are provided for, not necessarily oversupplied, but it will feel like a luxury to them. Are we learning to take risks in our giving, which stretches our faith? Here's question three. Are we giving in a way which is just a natural part of the way we live? Here's a lesson about human nature. If we won't trust God now with what we have, we won't trust him if we get more. Are we giving in a way which is a natural part of the way we live? And here's question four. Are we noticing God's generous, generous provision in our life and responding by giving more generously towards others? Because we can never outgive God. These are difficult times for all of us. For some, it's an uncertain future. For some of us, we know that our job is not going to be there, maybe in a few weeks, a few months. Some of us have lost income, which is why the challenge is higher. We're asking every member because giving is an every member ministry. It's not a financial issue. Giving is a spiritual issue. And we're asking each of us to do th three things with our jar of meal, and our jug of oil. Firstly, for all of us to review our giving and consider increasing it by at least inflation. Secondly, for some, we're asking us to change the way that we give now to a monthly standing order. And thirdly, if you're able to give a one-off gift as a gift day amount. That might mean for some that you're able to give an extra amount this gift day. For others, it might mean that you're able to give a one-off gift to cover those Sundays when you've not been able to give via the offertory plate. I said each week that I'd update you, and so here's where we're at after the first Sunday in October. So if you like, two weeks ago, because we don't have electronic banking on the church bank account. So this is where we're at after the first Sunday. After the first Sunday, we're at 25% of our gift day total that we need to get to of £20,000. So in closing, can I say again, thank you to each of us who've responded. Because finish it with me. Our giving matters now more than ever. So let's continue to answer that question. How much will we sow to reap a harvest of generosity? Shall we pray together? Jehovah Jireh. 
God who provides. Great is your faithfulness to us. As you faithfully provided to the widow and her son, through her jar of meal and jug of oil, would you help us to practice faith over fear in our giving to you? In Jesus' name.